You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. This is Mike Pearson, and you can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Mike Pearson. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to AOA. This is Mike Adams sitting in this week as we get ready for Jesse Allen to become the new host of AOA starting on Monday. So coming up today, busy program. We'll take a look at meat exports. Dan Hallstrom, President, CEO of U.S. Meat Export Federation, will be joining us. We're going to talk uh, soybean checkoff with Megan Kaiser, USB chair. We'll talk about their um, decisions on projects they'll be funding for the coming year and get her thoughts on the challenges to uh, commodity checkoffs in general that's going on again right now. We'll get her thoughts on that. And we're going to talk markets with Naomi Bloom with Total Farm Marketing. All that coming up on today's program. So glad you have joined us. We're going to start things off, though, talking about a challenge for the dairy industry. Yesterday, we talked some about uh, a challenge for the beef industry with these um, imitation meat products coming more and more into the marketplace, whether they're plant-based or cell-based. Well, that been an ongoing challenge as well for the dairy industry with some of these imitation milk products that are out there. We're joined now by the chief counsel for the National Milk Producers Federation, Clay Detlefson. Clay, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Mike, for having me. Glad to be here. Okay, this is not a new challenge for the dairy industry as these products keep popping up, but it's becoming a bigger challenge and one you're even taking to court, right? Well, we're actually not taking court. We uh, filed a complaint with the commissioner of the right. Food and Drug Administration. Yeah, let's, and I want to make that clear. Yeah, you filed the complaint with FDA. Tell us about the specifics of it, who's it's against, and why. Absolutely. Um, so we've been battling with the Food and Drug Administration for four decades to enforce its regulations with respect to the plant-based milk imitators. And then several months ago, we became aware of a product that was getting ready to go into retail stores, a product called Borg Cow, which advertises itself to be animal-free dairy milk. And if you could indulge me, I'd like to read the ingredients of what Borg okay. Cow is. Sure water okay it starts with water then they add animal free whey protein which we believe is alpha uh, lactoalbumin uh, sunflower oil sugar less than one percent of vitamin a vitamin b12 vitamin d2 riboflavin citrus fiber salt dye potassium phosphate acacia gel and gum mixed tocopherols calcium potassium phosphate citrate natural flavor and, and on their cartons, it's labeled animal-free dairy milk. I mean, this is just absolutely absurd. As you said, you've been battling for years with FDA. I say battling, but requesting, asking, uh, trying to get FDA to enforce labeling rules already on the books. And it, it's every time it looks like maybe you make a little progress but then nothing really seems to change and more in the meantime more of these products keep coming into the marketplace and uh you know they use the name milk which obviously then they they benefit from uh the reputation and the 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 attributes of of dairy of milk and so they're benefiting from that without providing the same thing as you just pointed out with those ingredients Absolutely. Um, and we're, we're really fed up with this, and, and it's obviously getting worse every day. So, you know, we've got a couple couple irons in the fire. Uh, certainly, we filed this complaint with the uh, FDA. Uh, in addition, tomorrow I will be filing a very lengthy set of comments in response to FDA's uh, plant-based milk alternatives labeling guidance. And we're basically saying that... Uh, the document uh, violates FDA's rules and regulations as well as uh, it's unconstitutional. So we've got, got a hell of a fight on our hands with that, too. We're talking with Clay Detlefson. He is the chief counsel for the National Milk Producers Federation. Clay, is FDA ever fully or completely or remotely explained to you why they don't enforce existing rules? They did about 
10, 15 years ago, they basically said, you know, we have limited resources. This is not a priority for us. But they have learned more recently that this is a human health issue. People are confused over the nutritional inferiority of the plant-based products. And some kids are getting harmed with various um, malnutrition uh, situations. So they're, they're taking it much more seriously now. Will they get off their derrieres and do something? I don't know, but we're going to continue to push hard. You know, some would say, oh, you're just afraid of competition and you're it's just it's protecting your market share and things like that. But really, uh, you're not afraid to compete, but you want a level playing field, right? You want to make sure there's not consumer confusion. You don't want people buying a product thinking they're getting the benefits of, of milk, a real milk, when they're not. That is absolutely correct. We welcome the competition, but they have to play by the same rules that we have to play by and they can't confuse consumers into tricking them into thinking that the product is nutritionally equal or even uh, many folks, unfortunately, think it's a superior nutritional product, and that's just simply not the case. And there has to be a value placed on the name milk, right? And if there wasn't a value, these other products wouldn't be using the name. Oh, absolutely. They're hijacking it because of the health halo that we have. So milk is just an absolutely fantastic product so meanwhile we we see more and more of these products popping up which is kind of what we thought would happen years ago like if once that door is open more and more would come I, i'm amazed at how many there are now in the marketplace it's obscene um, and yes it's hard to go to the dairy case because it's so full of these plant-based milk imitators and not only could consumers think they're getting the health benefits of milk in, in these other products and not get them, but also if, if they were to have a bad experience with another product, they could wind up blaming milk, right? Because they, if in their minds, they think it's all the same. That is correct. In fact, there was a study a few years ago where basically one in four thought that plant-based milk alternatives did contain some dairy milk. So it's just more battles, and as you said, you you take it through the process, and hopefully FDA finally re- believes it's a, what, a high enough priority that they'll, they'll act on it. Well, I think the recognition that people are suffering from you know, human health harm as a result of not understanding the nutritional inferiority is it's within FDA's wheelhouse. They, they need to address that issue. We're just going to keep pushing and make sure they do. Yeah, the difference before you were saying this could happen. Now you can point to actual uh, examples where it has happened. Absolutely. And FDA did some focus group research and did uh, themselves establish that the consumers are confused. Yeah. So wish you the best in the ongoing battle over this. Thanks a lot, Clay, for the update, and uh, hope we get good results. Thank you. All right, that is Clay Detlefson. He's the chief counsel for the National Milk Producers Federation. Up next, meat exports. We'll get an update from Dan Hallstrom, president and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. That's next on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Pearson. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. Don't go away. More AOA coming right up. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from across the cooperative system. From global market access to local expertise, we'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. 
Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Are you over the age of 60 and been diagnosed with lung cancer? If so, you and your family may qualify for a cash award. Our experienced attorneys are standing by to evaluate whether you have a lung cancer claim that qualifies you for a cash award. The consultation is absolutely free and there is no risk and no money out of pocket. We only receive a fee when we secure you and your family a settlement. 250,000 people are diagnosed with lung cancer every year. You're not alone in this battle. We can help make sure that you and your family are financially safe and that medical expenses are covered. Again, if you've been diagnosed with lung cancer and are over age 60, call now. Don't delay. There are deadlines for filing claims. We're standing by 24-7. Call us at 1-844-903-1744. 1-844-903-1744. That's 1-844-903-1744. Attorney Advertising. William Stephacker Jr. is the attorney responsible for this ad. Main office, Grant, Pennsylvania. May not be available in all states. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, farm radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. A good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor. Restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. This is Mike Pearson. Thanks for listening to Agriculture of America. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. And welcome back. Mike Adams sitting in uh, today and again tomorrow before Jesse Allen takes over on Monday. We're going to get an update now on meat exports. When you talk meat exports, the man to talk to is Dan Hallstrom, president and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Dan, how are you? I am great, Mike. Thank you for having me. Good to talk to you again. You have been on quite a roll uh, the last several years with meat exports. The the only challenge of that, when you have record years, then it's hard to follow that up sometimes. But still, even if it's down a little from a record year, say in, with beef exports, it's still very good, very high levels, right? Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, uh, as you mentioned, 2022 was a record year on volume and value with broad-based growth around the world for beef. Uh, we started out the year this year down a bit uh, uh, in some of the key markets. But, uh, you know, we're down 10% overall, but especially in the month of May, we saw some volumes really rebound. And, uh, you know, you're down about 5% in production, so that's part of the issues. We have some headwinds around the world, strong dollar and key markets like Japan, for example. But overall, demand continues to be strong. Uh, It is solid in most countries. so that's really the, the bright spot here, and uh, and that's where the some of the key regions of the world, particularly Asia, that still hasn't recovered from COVID in the food service sector. So, you know, there's there's headwinds, but there's also some pretty good news out there as we go forward. You touched on one of those challenges: our uh, reduced production in this country. We talked about this on the program yesterday. The uh, the low numbers with our cattle herd. How much impact is that having on beef exports? Well, it's having some impact. Uh, there's some products like like tongues, beef tongues, where the vast majority are exported. So 
obviously, if your if your production's off, uh, those numbers will be off. Uh, but but it's not entirely bad news. This isn't a surprise. We all knew that this was coming. Uh, it was just a matter of exactly when it hit. Uh, and we've been preparing the customers around the world for the past year, year and a half, knowing that the cycle is going to change. And one of the things that we're doing, uh, Mike, is that we're really putting the full court press on on maximizing the entire value of the carcass. And uh, while they might have been more reliant on short plates or chuck rolls, uh, maybe we need to look at some other items because there's just not enough of those other, you know, the, the, there's not enough chuck rolls to go around. So, for example, one of the one of the subprimals that we're really zoning in on in some key markets is the round primal, the inside, the outside round, the flat. And we're having some success there because, you know, these buyers around the world are smart. They follow the trends as closely as we do. And, and you know, when you get in a situation like this, it's an opportunity to expand the product mix. I'm always reminded when we have these discussions, Dan, that we have to keep in mind that a particular meat cut that may not be real popular or as popular in this country might be wildly popular in another country. Exactly. Yeah. Our, you know, we, we think of our middle meats, you know, ribeye, strip loins, tenderloins, is, is our kind of our bread and butter in the U.S. as it should be. But not so much. Uh, we don't export many of those items. That, that We maximize the value here on those items, and you're exactly right. The chuck roll, the round, um, on the on the muscle cut side is the, the thin meat from the from the middles, the short plates, et cetera. That's kind of our bread and butter around the world uh, in some of these key markets. And, and the other aspect of bread and butter is is the variety meats, as you mentioned. And uh, you know, ten percent of our over ten percent of our record value yet last year of eleven point five billion in exports. Ten percent of that was variety meats, going you know tongues to Japan, tripe to to Mexico and Latin America. Uh, beef lips to Mexico, the list goes on and on. We're talking with Dan Hallstrom, President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Well, let's talk, uh, talk about the, the pork market, and that that's real hot, isn't it? It's still booming. It really is, yeah. The, the pork market, uh, which was uh, you know, struggling a bit uh, a year ago from, from very high records in 20 and 21, uh, is really... Uh, uh, booming. Um, it, it's broad-based growth across several markets. Our year-to-date volume through May is up 14%. The, the leader has been Mexico, as is on the beef side. Mexico is also the leader. Uh, Mexico is booming in a lot of fronts. But you look at Korea in the month of uh, May, was up 25% on pork. You've got Central America up 16%. You've got a market like Chile has tripled. Uh, this year compared to last year. Australia is up uh, double from a year ago. Uh, Taiwan's up as well. So, so yeah, it's um, uh, the, the pork business globally is well positioned in the U.S. Uh, to expand. And the other big thing that's going on in the pork side is that uh, you have a situation where one of our largest competitors, the European Union, uh, you know, their, their financial situation is such that they've had massive liquidation the last two years. And there just isn't as much product out of Europe available. So uh, we're taking back market share. And two of those markets that I mentioned were Australia and Taiwan, where it's flipped in the last year. And instead of buying European, they're buying U.S. products. You mentioned one of the headwinds being a strong dollar. What are some of the economic issues that you are dealing with around the world? Because we know those factors uh, play a big part in ability to uh, be competitive in a market and, and to sell our products. Yes, anytime you have a strong dollar, um, you know, that in local currency terms, it makes us less competitive. So probably the best example of the last uh, year has been Japan, where we've seen a, the dollar strengthen almost to 150 last year for a while, or 140 yen to the dollar this morning. But it wasn't that long ago, uh, we were 110 yen to the dollar. So, uh uh, so that, but that's just one aspect. Uh, I've been in this business long enough to know that you know that the, the currency is uncontrollable. There's a lot of things that affect it outside of agriculture, and uh, um, the reality is that markets like Japan, markets like Korea are not self-sufficient. They need to import, and they've been importing for decades, whether the dollar is strong or weak. Uh, it's one aspect. I think some other aspects that are probably more important 
uh, with the, um, uh, you know, the inflation aspects of what's going on with spending power in some of these countries, uh, domestic production, uh, the Korean market at the moment has excess, excess domestic Hanu production. Uh, these are all things that factor in. But, but in the end, in the end, they're reliant on imports. And, uh, you know, we have the highest quality beef in the world. So even though the numbers may be down at the moment on beef, um, you know, we're not too worried long term. Uh, they'll be there at the, in the end. I want to circle back to something you said earlier, uh, I think is the key here, is that demand for meat is strong. So while you always work on building demand, certainly, but when you already have strong demand, that helps you uh, overcome some of these other factors, right, that we just talked about. Exactly right. And, uh, you know, one of our biggest, I'm going to put a plug in here for the for the beef and pork checkoff. We've been, that's one of our largest funding sources. And, you know, one of the main things we do at checkoff dollars is to go in and tell our story. We talk about the research done about safety, nutrition, uh, and, of course, the taste aspect of U.S. beef and pork from the grain feeding. Telling our story, telling the safety story, telling the, the tasting experience story, this is what pays off over the decades. And uh, when you have a reputation that's, that's top, one of the top reputations in the food supply chain in the world, what your goal is in these times, and the beef example is a good one, where you have less supply and relatively high prices, if you have a great reputation out there that's, that's a result of years of work and decades of work, then price isn't the first thing people worry about. Sure, the price is high, but, you know, I'm, I'm willing to invest uh, in this because of the taste experience. I know it's safe product. I think that's what we're seeing today. You know, you went to a $330 choice cutout, and it didn't stop the business. The business continues. So uh, I think that's uh, a testament to our industry, a testament to the checkoff programs, and uh, uh, that's part of what we're seeing without a doubt today. Yeah, and the business we're seeing today, probably the result of work that's been going on for years. Exactly. We've We've been in Japan 47 years. We've been in Korea for 35 years. <clears throat> Excuse me. The industry's been involved longer. This is a lot of work by a lot of people uh, on telling our story the right way. And uh, the goal is to not be pr- the, num- the number one issue cannot be priced because we're not the cheapest. We don't want to be the cheapest. We want to be the best quality. So when it so when you throw this together, it's really a good story. Dan, always good to talk with you. Glad to hear that the numbers are still good. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Mike. My pleasure. Take care. Dan Hallstrom, President and CEO of U.S. Meat Export Federation. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Hi, this is Mike Pearson. You're listening to AOA agriculture of america don't go away more aoa coming right up join us every tuesday for around the table brought to you by chs as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities each week we'll chat with voices from across the cooperative system from global market access to local expertise we'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Why do you listen? I listen to radio to stay up on news, weather, current events around the local community. It keeps me up to date with everything going on in the world. It kind of just takes my mind off of the drive, getting some relevant information that's in time. It's always nice to know what's going on. Okay, what can I do? Well, listen to the what's coming up and you can plan your day. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Risvet with this market update. This morning, corn is weak, beans are firm, wheat is mixed after another attack on Ukraine's infrastructure from Russia overnight. Russia sent two missiles into Ukraine's Odessa port facilities last night, inflicting more damage. The missiles were reportedly fired from a submarine in the Black Sea, flying at low altitude to make them difficult to detect. 
One of the port's administrative buildings was hit, along with production equipment at one of the cargo terminals. Russia is expected to continue its strikes on Ukraine infrastructure, preventing it from exporting longer term, while painting itself as the good guy who provides food to the world. At least five ships and 26 objects of port infrastructure have been damaged in the past nine days. Russia is also blocking movement of ships toward Ukraine. The Federal Reserve spoke yesterday and raised the benchmark interest rate another 25 basis points. Wall Street was happy with the announcement, with stock futures pushing higher overnight, led by the tech sector. Now, the Federal Reserve had few, if any, surprises for the market yesterday. It raised the interest rate a quarter percent, but it also left the door open for another rate hike later this year, while speaking of moderate economic growth. Now, it emphasized that its policy would continue to be driven by data, with a plethora of data points scheduled to be released prior to its next meeting eight weeks from now. Fed fund futures are still reflecting about a 30% odds of another rate hike this year, but traders expect at least four rate cuts in the coming year. And it's hot and dry across the Midwest, which is expected to continue over the coming week. There will be storms riding around the top of the high-pressure ridge that will benefit those who are fortunate enough to get them. Crops otherwise, though, will encounter additional stress over the coming week. Now, the models continue to suggest that we will see a pattern shift in about two weeks where the Midwest will see milder and wetter weather, which is expected to be the pattern for much of August when corn fills and soybeans set pods. You're listening to AOA for the American Egg Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. Hey, Dad, your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org slash caregiving. That's aarp.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. This is Mike Pearson, and you can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. All right, this is Mike Adams sitting in today and again tomorrow here on AOA before Jesse Allen takes over on Monday. Wish him the very best. No, he's going to do a great job here on AOA. And best of luck to Mike Pearson as well. He's off to uh, this week in agribusiness and a lot of other duties. You're going to be seeing and hearing a lot of him in the ag media and wish Mike uh, the very, very best and uh, look forward to seeing his success as well as Jesse's too. A lot going on in the uh, ag communications business. Well, it was interesting to hear Dan Hallstrom, president and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation, talk about uh, the work they do to build these markets for our meat products. And he credited the beef and pork exports for playing a big part in that success. And I find that especially interesting right now because there, again, as there always have been and always will be, I suppose, as long as we have commodity checkoffs, uh, these challenges and people, some people unhappy with them and uh, they can always be improved. I think any program can be improved, but I think you have to look weigh benefits versus negatives. And a lot of times that may be in the eye of the beholder, but we do point out there are, you know, a lot of people say, what am I getting for uh, those investments in the checkoff. And there was an example there as Dan Hallstrom was explaining how funding from the pork and beef checkoffs helps them establish these markets around the world. And we're seeing that pay off in these high levels of, of meat exports. And when you're building these markets for exports, much of it, as you deal with these other countries, it's about relationships and how well do they know you and do they trust you and that takes time and you have to be in there and you have to be on the ground you have to be working with these people over a period of time to build that trust and that relationship 
and then you see it pay off in the long run as we are seeing right now. And as I mentioned talking with Dan, the results we are seeing now are because of work that's been done, groundwork that has been laid years and years before. And it just does not happen overnight. So um, checkoff's not the only reason that happens, but it's a big part because it's a big part of the funding in this case for the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Just an example. Now, uh, there are those calling for more transparency and things like that. Certainly understand that. You want to know where your money's going and how it's being spent. Those are issues that are always ongoing. But it, that's just something to keep in mind as these challenges uh, continue to come up over commodity checkoffs. The other thing that's a, an ongoing battle, and we've mentioned it now yesterday and again today, the battle with these products that are coming into the marketplace, whether they be dairy or pork or beef, chicken, whatever it may be, these imitation products, plant-based or cell-based. And again, it's not about just being overly protective of your market, not wanting competition. It's about consumer information, consumer confusion, making sure consumers, when they purchase a product, they know what they are getting. Obviously, there is a value if you call yourself uh, a, a milk product or if you're um, using a meat term, you know, whether pork or beef or chicken or whatever it may be. These imitation products are wanting to cash in on the, the reputation and the attributes that people attribute to those established products. So you just, the key is being able to know what you are buying and having the studies, the research, and more and more of that is being done now comparing the products. As Clay Detlefson told us earlier from the National Milk Producers Federation, there are studies showing that some of these imitation milk products do not have the same benefits, the attributes, the health aspects of real milk. So if a consumer buys these other products thinking they're getting those uh, same healthy benefits from milk and not, then the consumer uh, suffers from that. And in overall, even the dairy industry would suffer from that if it causes them to get a bad name. People buying something they think they're going to get and not and blaming it using a broad brush in to blame the whole industry. So these are important factors. And again, it is frustrating, I know, especially for the dairy industry, because there are rules and laws on the books as far as labeling of these food products are concerned, but the FDA just has not enforced those. People say, why don't, why don't we have more rules or new rules or new laws? Well, you got to enforce the ones you have in place. That's the case in a lot of aspects of our society and government right now, quite frankly. But here's one in particular when it comes to these these food products, and that is enforce the rules that are on the books. And interesting that Clay Detlefson told us earlier, FDA told them years ago, well, they just don't consider it high enough priority. they got other things to deal with. Well, maybe we'll start getting their attention now with all these products coming online. And if people are starting to have some negative uh, experiences from some of these products or finding they're not getting what they think they're getting when they purchase some of these products, then maybe FDA will finally take some decisive action. But again, it's not about they shouldn't be in the marketplace. Free and open marketplace competition, yes, but make it a level playing field. Make sure that people know what they're buying. Don't don't be confused or think you're getting one thing when you're getting something else. Now, that's a two-way street. It also requires the consumer to do a little research and, and, and reading. And so you can have the proper labels and people still could be misled because they don't take the time to read the labels or fully look at the information or the studies or the background that uh, has been done beforehand to uh, let people know. So you still, it's a two-way street. You got to have the information available, then you got to have consumers willing to look at that information and make educated decisions. So this is a challenge for the dairy industry, has been for many, many years in the dairy industry, and now more and more for the meat industry as well. More products, more choices, people say that's a good thing. It is if you know what you are purchasing. Okay, so those are a couple big hot issues right now. Uh, checkoffs, which always seem to be a hot topic, but sometimes more than others, and these uh, imitation products coming into the marketplace. So we'll watch and see, because like with the checkoffs, there's some uh, 
movement in Congress by some in Congress to take uh, some action here. So we'll see what happens with that. Meanwhile, speaking of Congress, we also wait to see how this farm bill process will play out. It has already been slowed. A lot of other things going on, obviously, in Congress that have been placed ahead of, of the farm bill. So I think any talk, and I never put much stock in it anyway, any talk about a farm bill getting done early, I think you can pretty much put that to rest because it very seldom happens anyway, and especially with what's going on in our country today with the government issues that we're dealing with and the divisiveness and the and the controversies, I think you can uh, pretty well assume it'll be not done early. It might even be an extension of the one we have for that matter, but uh, we'll see. But meanwhile, the uh, ag groups continue to make their case and what they want to see in this next farm bill. And it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, the kind of monies that will be afforded to uh, to agriculture. And again, point out, as we always do during farm bill debates, production agriculture is a small part of the farm bill, less than 20%, really. So uh, you're talking about a lot of other issues, uh, food programs and those types of things, SNAP and things like that. That plays a big part in the uh, in the farm bill. And then you get into requirements for those programs and things like that. And that's where, where things really get uh, kind of muddied up. All right, so we've been talking about checkoffs. Let's bring on now Megan Kaiser. She's, she's the chair of the United Soybean Board. Megan, thanks for joining us. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. Dry in Missouri. How, how does your farm look? It's dry and it's hot, but, um, you know, we're, we're grateful for irrigators, um, and, uh, <laughs> and we're getting a little bit of rain every now and then, just a, enough mist to help us hang in there. I was just talking about the challenges that commodity checkoffs are facing right now. Uh, what's your response and reaction to to this move? You know, the thing uh, I think about a lot is just as a farmer um, and how proud of the work I am of being a farmer leader on the United Soybean Board. And there are 77 of us um, that were volunteers to represent, you know, the, the half million U.S. soy farmers. And so I think what we are all focused on at United Soybean Board is how we move forward with where we are today. And last week, um, we, we uh, invested uh, or approved our budget to invest $191.5 um, million um, that is 100% investment from U.S. soy farmers. It's, it's not coming from anywhere else. And the reason I'm so proud about that investment is that that is, you know, the USDA says there's a return of $12.34 to every U.S. soy um, on, on every dollar that we invest. And so when you multiply nearly $200 million uh, by $12.34, that's a huge return on investment to U.S. soybean farmers. And um, so that's what, what the board is focused on is, is how we make every dollar count um, and return profit to, to every farmer. And real quick, what are some of those priority areas that you'll be funding this coming year? Yeah, so we, we are spread across infrastructure and connectivity. So we think about um, strengthening our road, rail, river, and broadband systems. Um, and we also have a priority area in health and nutrition. So on the supply side, we're looking at plant and soil health. And then on the, on the demand side, we're focusing on animal and human health. Um, and then innovation and technology, we're, we're um, you know, we're, trying to discover new ways um, to help us on the farm um, and, and being kind of a third-party, non-biased testing system of, of different ideas um, and also trying to expand markets for U.S. soybeans. And always finding the, the most value for those dollars that you invest. Megan, thank you very much. Good to talk with you. All right. Thanks for having me on. Megan Kaiser from Missouri, chair of the United Soybean Board. We'll talk markets next with Naomi Bloom here on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Pearson. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. Don't go away. More AOA coming right up. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike. 
block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach, and in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. In today's troubled world, our USA Armed Forces stand ready to protect you, your family, and our American way of life. When veterans return to civilian life, they deserve your recognition and support. You can help put vets to work by donating your car, truck, or van to Patriotic Hearts. Your donation will directly support programs to help vets find jobs or even start their own business. Donate today for fast, free pickup of your vehicle, running or not. Operators are standing by to answer questions about making a tax-deductible vehicle donation. Find out how you can make a difference in the life of a United States veteran. Call 800-209-6416 for 24-hour response. Call 800-209-6416. 800-209-6416. That's 800-209-6416. I've been farming my whole life. I don't need somebody to come out here and state the obvious. I don't need anybody to explain my farm to me. My local co-op works with CHS, and they know what I need when I need it. A global network of support. Local expertise. And valuable market options. We need a co-op that's here for us. So we can own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com. Tune in the first Wednesday of every month to listen to The Monthly Grind here on AOA. It's brought to you by our friends at the National Corn Growers Association, and each month we're going to dig into one specific aspect of corn demand. What happens to this grain after it leaves your operations and enters the global supply chain? That's what we're going to talk about each month on The Monthly Grind. Again, that's the first Wednesday of every month, and you can also find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. It's a show you don't want to miss. We are the nation's largest integrated healthcare system, providing life-changing care to over 9 million veterans. Our hands are busy, competent, skilled, healing, helping, and friendly. A place where diverse teams come together hand in hand to provide full patient-centered care. Working in state-of-the-art facilities with influential leaders in healthcare, all with a single goal in mind, to help veterans heal, recover, and get their lives back in a place where everyone plays a part and where your efforts are truly appreciated. A place so innovative and forward-thinking that we're rebuilding hands and where even robots lend a hand. Join hands with us. Learn more at vacareers.va.gov. This is Mike Pearson. Thanks for listening to Agriculture of America. 
Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. And welcome back. Mike Adams sitting in today and again tomorrow for Jesse Allen uh, takes over on Monday. Let's talk markets now with Naomi Bloom with Total Farm Marketing. Naomi, how are you? I am doing good. It's good to visit with you again. I'm excited to be here. Good to talk with you. Well, plenty going on. You've got uh, what's going on in Ukraine. You've got... uh, of course, weather issues for uh, this country as far as our production is concerned. you got actions of the Fed. The market's got all kinds of things uh, that impact it right now. Oh, absolutely, and, and we're seeing that today just in terms of the market not really being able to take a for sure step or direction. We've seen some two-sided action in corn and soybeans and wheat this morning. Same with some of those outside markets. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. The Fed's yesterday raised interest rates as expected, um, and then Europe responded this morning, and they raised interest rates, interest rates for the European Central Bank also by a quarter point. Uh, fighting continues with Ukraine and Russia. Uh, grain markets, from a technical perspective, are near overhead resistance areas on charts, and we're waiting to see what August weather is going to do. So lots of moving parts. And we're just waiting for one of those aspects to really become the front runner to give the grain market some direction. And farmers trying to make some marketing decisions and when to pull the trigger on, on some sales. Uh, what are you talking to them about? Or what are they asking you? What, do you? what advice have you for them? Yeah, we've just been having very candid conversations. So from the standpoint of soybeans, looking at November beans on the board for new crop, the price high at this 1430-ish area where we were at today, with that was pretty much the high from December of 22, it's the high from June of 22, May of 22, and April of 22. So this is major overhead resistance. If the weather in August is hot and dry and horrible, those soybean prices have every reason to go through resistance, and the upside projective is about a dollar to potentially $2 higher. Yet, be aware, this is such significant resistance that if the weather in August is pleasant, that soybean contract is going to have a hard time rallying and we could see the market easily pull back a dollar. So some producers have been looking at making cash sales forward contracting. Some have been looking at just buying November $13 puts. They're right around 20 cents. And just to have that peace of mind until the end of October in case things do start to fall lower. It is all up to Mother Nature, so obviously there is no control with it, but just be aware of what we're dealing with. Um, same with corn. Corn had a nice rally higher, 560 to 570 area is resistance for now. Corn, a little bit of a follower, waiting to see if soybeans can work higher or not. If beans could go higher, corn will follow, but if beans can't get that hot and dry August forecast, I think you're at risk of seeing the entire grain complex just move a little bit lower, Um, but of course then we have that war premium that we're still dealing with too on the side lurking. So lots of moving parts, Um, strategize, really understand why the market could go higher or lower from here. Um, So many things just beyond our control that you really have to be ready for anything with a scenario plan. Volatility is not for the faint of heart, but there are opportunities, aren't there, for marketing in, in volatility, there are some key opportunities, but you have to be ready to make the move at the right time. Oh, absolutely. And so it is, it is a good balance of understanding the fundamentals underlying the market, also watching the technical aspects with traders, and keeping an eye on those funds. You know, they're not really budging. They're still a little bit short on corn and wheat. Um, so they're waiting to see what August weather does also before they make their move. And the funds, with interest rates being higher, they can have their money other places. They don't necessarily have to hang out in commodities to be making money. So, um, again, a lot of moving parts to balance. With what's going on in Ukraine, some in the media are talking about the possibility of world food shortages and things like that. Does that spook the market at all? It does every now and then. But then the next headline will come out and... 
and they'll say, well, we're going to be able to try to get grain out of Ukraine a different way. Um, or they point to bigger production in South America coming down the road and, and always trying to say, you know, it, it's, it's going to be okay. We'll have enough to get by. So that is something that we're starting to really monitor. And I think that's why the wheat market, you know, it rallied up to the 200-day moving average on the September Chicago daily chart. And then there was hope that the European Union agricultural ministers were going to be able to work together to try to help Ukraine get some of that grain out so it could go to the world. And then interesting today, we heard um, President Putin say that he was going to potentially give free wheat and free grain to six African nations in the coming months. So he's trying to spin it as a interesting humanitarian aspect for his wrongdoing. But um, right now the world is trying to just figure we've got enough grain and it's going to be okay. So unless something you know, really eccentric happens either with the weather or with the war. Uh, the market is just taking things day by day. Politics always impact markets, but uh, especially at a time like this, right? Oh, absolutely. The geopolitics is just unbelievable, especially, you know, not just Russia, Ukraine. We've got North Korea, you know, always a little temper tantrum happening over there. Um, with China, always have to be watching what's happening with how they are uh, proceeding with their dealings with the world because they're still trying to keep their economy humming, uh, which would, of course, be good for grain demand here. So, again, plenty of moving parts. And watching that relationship between the U.S. and China, with all the differences in so many areas, do we still keep uh, selling them grain through all that? Yeah, and that's where it's interesting to watch. So right now, China has definitely been getting a lot more of their grain from South America, they are buying um, bits from the United States because, you know, I think from a diplomatic standpoint, they're trying to make sure that they are um, keeping all avenues open. So keep an eye on China in the coming days and weeks. Keep an eye on the weather. That'll dictate where prices go. August weather, a key. All right. Thank you, Naomi. Thank you. Naomi Bloom with Total Farm Marketing. That wraps it up for today. Hope you'll join me again tomorrow right here on AOA. This is Mike Pearson. Thanks for listening to Agriculture of America. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Put a frog in a pot of boiling water and it'll jump right out. But put a frog in a pot of cool water and slowly heat it up that frog will boil. As a metaphor for us and all that we go through as veterans, it's a story that rings true. We learn to endure the heat in silence. We apply what we learn to life, the bills, the job, the family, things we're expected to handle with ease. When life heats up around us, we just try to stay afloat. We let the water boil. Reaching out isn't easy, but you've never been interested in easy. You join because you are not afraid of hard work. You are not a frog. If you or a veteran you know needs support, don't wait until the water boils. Reach out. Find resources at va.gov reach. That's va.gov reach. Brought to you by the United States Department of Veterans Affairs and the Ad Council. Nothing offers an opportunity to bond and give thanks quite like breaking bread together. This is especially true as we welcome our troops back home and keep those who are still stationed overseas in our hearts. Hi, I'm Gary Sinise. Since 2011, the Gary Sinise Foundation's Serving Heroes program has shown gratitude to our nation's defenders and their families by serving up nearly 500,000 hearty classic American meals at travel hubs and military locations. And now, together with our friends at Bob Evans Farms and their Our Farm Salutes program, we will help to provide even more meals nationwide, offering our defenders a taste of home and a feeling of togetherness around the table. Help us show America's gratitude through food and fellowship. Look for the Bob Evans Our Farm Salutes purple packaging at your grocery store and visit ourfarmsalutes.com to learn more. While we can never do enough to support the men and women who serve together, we can make a difference, bite by bite.